You're listening to Keeping Connected with the Quran, a series that reminds us of the many beautiful ways the Quran can be a guide, a teacher, and a healer in our lives. Join a rotating cast of insightful hosts and guests featured throughout the week and make the Quran a companion in your day, every day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. Al-Bilasinari min al-Shaytan al-Rajim, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. وَلَعْضُوَانَ إِلَىٰ عَلَى الظَّالِمِينَ وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ اللَّهُمَ صَلِّ وَسَلَّمُ بَارَكَ الْعَبْدِكَ وَرَسُولِكَ مُحَمَدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ عَلَىٰ أَلِهِ وَسَلَّمُ تَسْلِيمًا كَثِيرًا So alhamdulillah, uh, we are back for a session of Quranic healing and I have uh, with me none other than Dr. Zuhair from Australia. He's not in a hospital this time. He's not beating up a kangaroo. We, we, we've gotten past his... Uh, Animal abuse, Australian animal. You've got Australian like border protection now coming knocking at my door. <laughs> What's this foreigner doing here, beating up our kangaroos? Right? So, Quranic healing is for everyone, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about healing for everyone, all right, including the environment, inshallah. But on a serious note, very blessed to have you, alhamdulillah. And of course, your spiritual psychology uh, series and the work that you've done at Yaqeen, uh, everyone's benefited from, alhamdulillah, quite a bit. Your insights. Uh, so may Allah reward you for that. And um, inshallah ta'ala, tonight we're going to pick up actually, you know, where I left off with the uh, khutbah today, uh, or the Friday reflections I was talking about, la hawla wa la quwata illa billah, and uh, the statement and what that means. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu talking about the idea of, of hawl, the switching, the changing of condition refers to tawbah. And quwa, the strength of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, refers to being able to commit to steadfastness or, or good deeds in a, in a steadfast manner. That there is no change of condition except with Allah. There is no maintaining steadfastness upon a path of righteousness except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that that's a very beautiful uh, way for us to really have husn of one in Allah, to have a good expectation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also when we seek tawbah. And there is an element of healing in that. Uh, you know, a lot of people are able to forgive others, but they can't forgive themselves. And they can't move past a, a prior sin because they're still weighed down by it. And there's a healthy way to think about your previous sins. But there's also an unhealthy way, right, which can lead to despair. And the way we save ourselves from that is by linking our tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and making Allah our focus both in terms of the reason why we are repenting and the reason why we believe our repentance will be successful, and accepted. So, uh, Dr. Zuhair, you're going to, inshallah ta'ala, cover a set of ayat from Surah Ali Imran that speak to that reality, inshallah. So, go ahead, Bismillah. <laughs> inshallah ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, al-salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. So, Inshallah, we're going to be discussing if those who are following along want to follow along with the Mus'haf or with the translation of Quran, we'll be discussing the set of ayat or the passage in Surah Ali Imran. Um, and this is the third surah of the Quran. Uh, and it's verses 133 to, sorry, yeah, 133 to 135, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so when we talk of healing in general, because that's the theme of this series, um, I want to just take a bit of a step back so we kind of situate ourselves because it's easy to get lost in the details and miss the forest itself of general healing. Um, so when we talk about healing, we're talking about uh, people being wounded 
in response to what? Life events in general. Le- life events is what we are healing from. If, if, if anyone needs to be healed or there's some trauma that a person is recovering from, it's in response to something that happened in their life. So it's a response to a life event. And I want to link this to something beautiful that Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, says uh, in his book, Wabil al-Sayyib, which is, by the way, available in English, a very good translation, Invocation of God. You'll find it on, uh, on, on Google. Um, uh, you, can, you can purchase it. Um, and right in the beginning, uh, he, he explains the keys to happiness. And he does that by categorizing all life events into three different types of events that can happen to you. Either number one, there's a calamity or a hardship that comes to you. Number two, a sin that you commit. Or number three, a blessing that you enjoy. The, there, and he says, you cannot find anything that happens in your life, except it will go back to one of these three things. And so the keys to happiness in his mind, and you can say in the, the language that we're speaking, which is healing, uh, the keys to healing, which will, of course, then lead to that happiness in this world and in the next, um, is about responding appropriately to each of those three uh, uh, archetypal, or you can say, um, uh, 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 broad general life uh, categories of events. Um, and so responding appropriately is what will make us um, progress and grow uh, when we uh, find ourselves in these different events. And so the, the key here is to, and the skill is to identify whatever we're going through, take it back to one of these three things. That simplifies it for us. Sometimes things become very complicated, very complex. And that becomes very difficult for us to to be able to heal from it. But we can simplify it and then understand, okay, now I know what I need to be doing. With that clarity, then you can come to that unique, complex situation with a gained understanding of the general way that you need to head towards. So for calamity, the response to that is sabr, is patience. For blessing, the response to that is, of course, shukr and gratitude. And for sin, the response to that is, of course, istighfar. So this particular session, we're going to be discussing sin itself, because I think that's something that actually gets kind of uh, not as much spoken about. People, when they think about healing, they think mostly about things like uh, calamities that befall a person, loss that a person incurs, uh, depression and anxiety and these sorts of things. But also, as Sheikh Omar was mentioning earlier, that when it comes to sin and hopelessness that can come as a result of a person committing sin or many sins, uh, can actually be very debilitating and requires that sense of healing. Istighfar is a healing process uh, that a person needs to engage in when they find themselves in sin. And it's something that needs to constantly happen because we constantly sin. As the Prophet Muhammad said, Kullu bani that all of uh, is all of uh, the son of Adam are sinners. Uh, and the best of sinners are those who repent to him. Um, so oftentimes with sin, we can have this guilt and we carry this burden with us um, throughout our whole life, which results in feelings of worthlessness, which is uh, uh, one of the clinical criteria for depression is actually feelings of worthlessness, feelings that we're not worth anything to anybody. Um, hopelessness as well. Um, is, 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 is one of the criteria, clinical criteria for uh, depression. Uh, and this leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy because you feel this way, uh, then oftentimes those sins become repeated and you fall into the same mistakes and that becomes evidence for you 
to then still feel, you know, very self-loathing about oneself. Um, so with that in mind, let's go towards the, uh, the ayat. Let's go towards the ayat. So Allah says in the Quran, very beautifully, and it's a very uh, a beautiful set of ayat. This is the first ayah here. Allah says, race, race, run to the forgiveness of your Lord and a Jannah. So I want to focus on this word race, which is very interesting here. Race to the forgiveness of your Lord. So the, 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 the idea that's being conveyed is that we're supposed to run, we're supposed to sprint, we're supposed to race. Uh, and now we need to think that about something very interestingly here. Before we move on, when a person races or when a person runs, if there's any runners amongst you, um, when you run, it's very hard to focus on anything else. Uh, oftentimes, I, like for myself, I try to put on something like, oh, let me try to listen to a lecture. Let me try to listen to something I'm running. You can't do it. It's very difficult. Very few people are able to do that. Why? Because when you're running, you are engaging everything in that pursuit at that moment. And you're tired and you're, uh, and you're out of breath and you're so focused on that one aspect, especially if you're racing then. If you're racing with other people, then your only focus is one thing. And so this is an idea as well that this is the case for everyone. What should be front of mind as a person goes through life, racing towards the forgiveness of Allah, that's the mindset. Like It's like your focus should be that one focus in your life, which is seeking out moments of istighfar, seeking out moments of redemption, and being hyper aware of times in which you can experience that. And that will help us to pick away at the burdens that we carry to be able to experience those moments of grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so those moments of istighfar can come from three different ways. They can come from moments of istighfar in the heart because there's an element of istighfar that, of course, in the foundation, it comes from the heart. Feelings of positive guilt, feelings of positive remorse. That, and the, the difference between positive and negative is that a positive feeling of guilt will lead you to change. Uh, will lead you to some sort of action. A negative will lead you to inaction, will lead you to feeling like you don't want to do anything because you feel you're not worthy of doing those things. So that's the difference, I guess you can say, between guilt and shame and these sorts of things. Uh, but in any case, that heartful feeling of remorse and guilt towards Allah, that's a moment that is so precious. It's a moment that's so precious. And that feeling itself can be enough for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you. And we learn about this in that famous story of the man who told his sons, or told his children rather, uh, to burn his body, to cremate him, and to throw him into the ashes. For what reason? Because he felt remorse for his sins and he feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reckoning. And in his, at that point, didn't have as much knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and we know that on the day of judgment, Allah will raise him up and he will confess why he asked the sons to do what, or the children to do what he, what he asked them to do. And, um, and, the, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him. That was a moment of istighfar that was felt in the heart of that person's deathbed. So that is a moment to seek out as well. Sometimes when we're by ourselves or at a certain moment, we might feel that. That's a positive thing to feel as long as it's connected towards Allah. Uh, the second element or aspect of istighfar to, to be on the lookout for are moments of actual istighfar on the tongue. Asking Allah for forgiveness, begging Allah for forgiveness, raising our hands to Allah and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. And that almost stems from that feeling as well. And looking for that moments for us to do that. This was the habit of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa We know the morning and evening adhkar, they include 
uh, istighfar, astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh, multiple times, 70 to 100 times. We know that when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in a gathering, he would say, Rabbi ghfir warham wa anta tawwabur rahim. That, um, oh Allah, forgive me and have mercy on me that you are the one who accepts the repentance. You're the one who turns to the one who repents uh, and is the most forgiving and is the most merciful. Um, and so this moment of istighfar on the tongue is also something that we race towards. Um, and then the third is uh, the body as well. And these are acts of redemption. And searching for acts of redemption with a heavy heart is something that's very positive. We see that this is something that uh, we find in the Hadith literature as well, the story of the, the, the woman uh, who was a prostitute. But she was forgiven because of an act that she did, which was quench the thirst of that dog that was uh, uh, famined at that point in time from the well. She went with the shoes, with her own shoe to bring it out and then to uh, feed, uh, sorry, to quench the thirst of the dog. Um, and so it's a moment of redemption that she was able to find. And in that moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave her. So racing to forgiveness of your Lord is about racing to these different avenues and being hyper aware to look for those moments. So the guilt that we feel inside should push us as, and propel us to race to looking for these moments where you then feel the grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wajanna, and this is so beautiful. Wallahi, this is so beautiful. For those who feel worthless because they think they've sinned too much or they've sinned a sin that was too grave, Allah is telling you that you are worth so much that for you, an objective that is only worthy of the soul that Allah has created you in and the individual that Allah has created you as, what is worthy is Jannah for you. That is where you should set your standards and set the bar and set your objective. That just because you've sinned doesn't mean, oh, I've sinned, now I'm a lower tier Muslim and I should aim low. No, you ask Allah for forgiveness, run to forgiveness and Jannah. And so you remove the evil and the sin and you then replace that with the best thing that you can imagine. That is an amazing moment of redemption in and of itself because you realize that subhanAllah, I can ask Allah for forgiveness and through experiencing that forgiveness from Allah, I open myself up to the Jannah, the paradise, the everlasting bliss. And it's not that, I mean, worthy and, and whether or not we, we deserve it, that's a different point. Of course, nobody deserves it from the sense that I did enough to enter it. It's from Allah's mercy. But it's the idea of value that Allah places this value in every individual and every human being that Allah created us for that opportunity to be able to be at that state. And be, sinning does not become a, uh, uh, a, a, um, a, preventative, uh, uh, a preventative action from doing that. It doesn't become a deterrent from that. But rather, it becomes an opportunity to race further towards the Jannah, which is so beautiful if we think about it. As the Prophet ﷺ informed us that Allah said, if we were to be people who didn't sin, then He would replace us with people who would sin, so that they can ask him for forgiveness and Allah will forgive them. I'm weary of time, so I'm going to move forward, inshallah. Um, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Then Allah mentions, in particular, actual acts of redemption that we can seek out, in particular. So we talk about in general, race in general, and you look for those moments. But now Allah is highlighting particular things 
that can be done when we feel this sense of guilt. Fuel that sense of guilt, change it, and to put it into these avenues that Allah has outlined for us. Giving in times of hardship and in times of ease. Um, restraining one's anger from getting angry at other people and forgiving the people. And I find these very interesting because these are three things that we wish Allah will act towards us in this way. That Allah will give to us no matter our state, whether we were good or bad, we wish Allah to get, still give us from his bounty. That we wish that Allah were to, uh, we wish that Allah will not be angry with us and j- because of the sin that we've committed. And we wish that Allah pardons us. And so subhanAllah, we act in that way, almost mirroring the way that we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to act towards us. And so giving, despite the ease or the difficulty of it, um, uh, restraining ourselves from anger and pardoning and forgiving others. And forgiving others can be very difficult. It can be one of the most difficult things a person to do is to forgive someone for a wrong that was done to them. And people can bear these grudges. Ibn Qayyim in Madarij Salikin beautifully reframes that aspect of being wronged and says, why don't you think about being wronged by a, another person as a test Allah sends you so that you have an opportunity to be forgiven from Allah. Like it's something that Allah is sending as an opportunity for you to, 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 to receive the forgiveness from Allah. By you pardoning others, Allah will pardon you in kind and in return. And so these are moments of redemption in particular that we can focus on to help us reduce the burden uh, of the sin that we carry. And lastly, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the last uh, ayah here, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً أَوْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ ذَكَرُوا اللَّهِ فَاسْتَغْفَرُوا لِذُنُوبِهِمْ That when they, uh, those who commit evil deeds, uh, whether it's of an indecent nature uh, or of an oppressive nature, ذَكَرُوا so, so the last ayah, Allah speaking about general kind of long-term strategies to earn redemption. Here Allah is speaking acutely in the moment of the sin. In the moment of the sin, what can you do? And Allah is giving the example of like the greatest type of tawbah that a person can do, which is not waiting till afterwards where you realize it and it's been years and you say, subhanAllah, I need to change. And then you have to carry this burden and think, will Allah forgive me? The best thing to do when a person sins is in that moment itself to Allah. Remember Allah, فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا لِذُنُوبِهِمْ and to then ask Allah for, for, that, for that forgiveness. And at that moment, that is enough to then just ask Allah for that forgiveness. And Allah says, Who can forgive the sins except Allah? And here's the point that no one can bear that burden that we feel. No one can bear the guilt that we feel except if they feel the forgiveness and grace of Allah. You let the ocean of Allah's mercy wash away those feelings inside the heart and you recognize the vastness of Allah's mercy and you see that in comparison to the guilt that you feel and recognize the love and the mercy and the tenderness that is available that you have access to and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves for you then to return to him. And I'll end with that uh, beautiful hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Allah is more ashaddu uh, farha which I find difficulty finding the English words to translate appropriately this farha, like the joy essentially, the joy that a person has when that camel that is lost returns to them as a person is traveling in the desert. Because when the the camel is gone, that means death. And when that camel comes back, that means life. Switching from death to life. Because joy and that moment of joy and happiness and an acute setting and excitement is all about from baseline to where, right? Like, 
from where you were and then some news that you get and how the difference is basically the, um, the, is equal to the intensity of the emotion. And so we have from death to life. That is the level Allah is even more joyous when the slave then returns to Allah. So when we ask Allah for forgiveness, bring that to the mind as well. Because we, we think if we're asking Allah for forgiveness, we feel so sad. Can you imagine then the, the, the happiness or the joy, the farha from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the other end? As we ask Allah for forgiveness, imagine that and experience then the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, actually a beautiful linguistic point here. Allah says, race to a jannah, which is singular. Then in the ayah after, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and wraps it up in this beautiful kind of uh, uh, um, ring symmetry, I guess you can say. So those are the people who will get the maghfirah. And then the garden here is mentioned in the plural. So you race to the Jannah singular. And of course, whenever you turn to Allah a little bit, Allah gives you even more. You walk mm-hmm. to Allah, Allah comes to you running. So that's the, the reflection that I had from this particular um, set of verses. Beautiful, beautiful. Subhanallah. Uh, especially the, I think the singular to the plural. I want to seize on two things that she said, inshallah ta'ala. So the first one, is what I find very uh, interesting about this is that you talked about a healthy form of guilt and then an unhealthy form of guilt, right? And essentially the way that it's judged is by whether or not it produces an outcome of action, right? So, you know, unhealthy guilt is debilitating. It caused you to despair and just not to make any movement. Healthy guilt activates, moves you back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you have to have a belief that that action is going to be productive. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it, right? And that's where having certain thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and feelings about who Allah is, is so crucial. Uh, What I find very fascinating about the way that these two things are tied is that uh, Allah says, do good uh, beyond the standards of people, uh, only to the standard of Allah and for the pursuit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah says, repent, not because of shyness from the people, but, but because of shyness from Allah. So for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, people are expected to spend in charity in times of ease, but people are not expected to spend in times of hardship, but that person is acting for the standard of Allah. Uh, people are expected to you know, show some patience and to show courtesy to those that are courteous with them. No one's expected to swallow their anger with a fool. People are expected to forgive and to pardon when the other person, you know, shows a great desire to be forgiven and pardoned, but people are not expected to forgive and pardon when the other person doesn't seem to be that keen to attain that, that pardon, right? But Allah is saying, act in good for his standard. And then Allah says, when it comes to the bad deed, that when you sin, you know, a lot of times people don't feel bad about their sin until they get caught or until people call them out or until they feel a sense of smallness in the sight of people. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They thought of Allah, right? And another ayah, It's like they woke up like, whoa, I crossed the line of God. And so in pursuit of good, I was surpassing the line of people in pursuit of God and in avoiding evil. I was more observant and aware of the line of God 
than the line of people. I didn't wait for it to reach the line of people and their sight and their admonishment and shyness in their sight. It was, wait a minute, you know, I violated the covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think that's one thing that uh, that, that really is, is very powerful about this sequence. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, inshallah, before I go to my second reflection. Yeah, no, the, what, what you mentioned is very beautiful, actually, um, because it's the, it, this, this, the, it's almost like the key away from the pain that people experience in this world is about remembering Allah in those situations that then elevates their action to a level of virtue that then heals, and we're talking about healing, what that person was in at that moment. So like you said, we're not expected to, you know, uh, restrain our anger or like, uh, we're not ex- expected to then act very uh, gracefully to people who don't give us that type of treatment. But what do you gain from holding that anger in your heart, right? Yes, when you talk about from fiqhi perspective and, you know, sin and these sorts of things, fair enough. But what do you gain from your heart? What do you gain from that, right? Um, when you are uh, really, um, uh, uh, when, 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 it's, when it's, uh, someone has wronged you and they're not seeking repentance really for it, they're not asking you really for the, for the forgiveness, they don't show any remorse. By you still being hurt, who, who loses in that situation, right? Mm. At least in this dunya. It's your obsession of it. He doesn't care that, or that person, she doesn't care, he doesn't care. Uh, what's going on? So who's really losing there? So it's as so when you remember Allah, it is taking you to a higher standard. Yes, but it's for your own benefit and it's for your own healing almost as well. Like that mm-hmm. aspect of this, and, and and that's the beautiful thing of our deen that's so different than other concepts of spirituality because our deen is about enduing or in in in, in uh, endowing the mundane with spiritual significance. Across the board. I mean, you, you open up Hassan Muslim, the fortress of a Muslim, the book of Adhkar. Um, the most mundane things is, becomes a spiritual experience or becomes a spiritual moment. Putting on your clothes in the morning, walking out the door, you know, in the angel series that you did. Uh, I love that episode of the one when you walk out the door and you say, uh, And just that simple walking out the door, it changes your complete mindset of what that means, right? It becomes a spiritual experience to walk out uh, in, into the world. And so bringing in that dhikr of Allah to every moment in your life is something that Islam brings and it's for the benefit of humanity. And it's for the, I mean, that's why Allah describes the Quran as shifa'u lima fi sudur, right? It is the healing of what is in the heart. The entire message of the Quran and Islam is described as that healing because everything in life, like we said, is going to, it's going to chip away at you, right? It's just going to, the small little things, they just add up, add up, add up. And it is through that rope of Allah's dhikr that you kind of are able to see the bigger picture of things and elevate your action as well. And it's for your own benefit, for your, for your own healing. I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And really the second thing, and, and uh, this is my, I think, biggest reflection of this, uh, what you said about depression and feeling of worthlessness. I'm not worth, I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not worthy of being forgiven. And subhanAllah, that hadith about uh, the camel, like you're worthy to Allah. Uh, Subhan, like it, it is so powerful to, th- and I think about it from my own perspective, like with all of my sins, 
all of my brokenness, all of my shortcomings, Allah still finds me worthy, right? Like Allah still cares about me coming back to him, even though my obedience and disobedience do not increase or decrease his kingdom in any way whatsoever. But like that idea that Allah has not lost hope in you, that you are, or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has opened the door for you to not lose hope in him always, no matter what, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not lost sight of you, that Allah azawajal, uh, still is calling you back, that Allah is still welcoming you back, that you're worth something to Allah. And like, I think that's something to think about. Like when a person is feeling that sense of worthlessness, like I'm still worth something to Allah. Otherwise he wouldn't have brought me here and he wouldn't have given me this chance to come to this realization before my time of death, as the Prophet some said, that Tawbah is open until the moments when a person starts to foam at the mouth and their soul is leaving the body, that the, the gate of repentance, the door of repentance is still open. And so when I'm feeling worthless, like I'm worth something to Allah, that's not because I'm arrogant, that's because Allah is a Rahman. Um, mm-hmm. It's not because I'm so great, that's because Allah is so great. And so I'm worth something to him. And everyone could say that I'm worth something to Allah. Right, like my toba means something to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Allah and that's a very powerful takeaway, I think, from that hadith, that Allah Azza Wa Jal Yafrah Allah shows joys, overjoyed with the toba of His servant when a person turns back to Him Subhanahu Wa Taala. And so, I mean, that's something that 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 always sort of blows me away, and I think it's important for us to sort of keep in our own hearts and minds when we when we feel the uh, the conditional love and you know, the conditional uh, appreciation from people around us. Uh, it's not, you know, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, you just say, Ya Allah. And um, that hadith, of course, the person says, uh, you know, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, Anta Abdi wa Ana Rabbuk. He, he messes up and he says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are uh, my Abd and I am your Rabb. And the Prophet said because of his own just, oh, wow. just being overjoyed, right? And one of the implications of that, that that some of the scholars mention is that, you know, when a person turns back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if they don't sound best, you know, like when, when the du'a doesn't flow the, the best, you know what they say? Like, that's my ugly cry. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you're turning back, if you're turning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're in, in the midst of a du'a, and you get so emotional in your du'a that you actually get tongue-tied, but your heart is full. And like, you know, you have a Rabb, a Lord that is Al-Ghafoor looking at you in those moments, right? And uh, that could be the most beautiful du'a that you ever make is the one that you're having a hard time verbalizing, right? Just because you're so uh, immersed in that moment. So uh, we pray for those moments and we pray for uh, transformations through those moments that turn us back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you have anything else, Chef, you want to share? Uh, I don't know. I think that it's good for the time. But what you said is, I think, a very beautiful uh, note to end off on. Um, and that's just searching out for those moments of, of redemption. Uh, and life and the opportunities of life are filled with those. And if we have that mindset and attitude as we go through life, that's a very positive way of uh, dealing with the burdens that we all carry. Exactly. Allah forgive us all and accept um, all of our repentance. I mean. I mean, I mean, Jazakallah khair, We love having you on and uh, may Allah bless you and thank you for taking the time out. Uh, what time is it in Australia, by the way? Right I mean, uh, it's, it's just 10 in the morning. It's not that bad at all. Alhamdulillah. Nice, but nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate, I, I appreciate your appreciation. May Allah bless you. Uh, and uh, anytime, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Okay, everyone, we'll see you all, inshallah, next week. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in Monday for the next episode on Quranic Parables and subscribe to this series. If you like this episode, you'll love our other content. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org or download our app from the App Store. Until next time, this has been Keeping Connected with the Quran.